Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome our guest today for the very first time, Mark Landis, founder and chief investment officer of Wavelength Capital Management, a fixed income focused absolute return strategy investment manager located in New York City, which is where Mark is talking to us from. Mark, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Hi, Charlie. And thank you so much for having me today. It's our pleasure, Mark, and hopefully our listeners will agree here. So, uh, Mark, you were 17 years with Credit Suisse and fixed income. You went from there to the hedge fund world, uh, continued your, your your view and your exposure to the world of investing. You started Wavelength about how long ago, Mark? A uh, little over, I guess, 2013. So 2013, four about, years. yeah, four and a half, five years. Yeah. Okay, so give us a little of your background before we start talking about Wavelength here. All right, so I'm not going to go back to the Paleothic age, but uh, I look back at my career, and I really have been blessed. I graduated school as a computer science major. Yes, Charlie, um, there were computers back then, so I, I want to be perfectly clear. I've always been a fixed income guy, and as you said, I spent the bulk of my career at Credit Suisse doing everything from rates, derivative trading, to high yield, to mortgages, merging markets, CBOs. At the end, started I headed up the global research group and global sales. I sat on the firm's risk operating committees. Uh, I've lived through everything and experienced everything from the SNL crisis to Orange County to long-term credit to Russian crisis to Argentinian crisis. You know, as you said, I went on to work at one of the the, the premier uh, hedge fund worlds uh, under Julian Robertson within Tiger, where I learned. Um, that side of the business, um, and I learned a lot of what to do, what edge was there, and also what not to do. You know, uh, let's take uh, just a, a quick sideline here, sure. Mark. Uh, we have not had too many uh, interviews with people from the fixed income marketplace, and the fixed income marketplace uh, typically is not nearly the hot topic that equities are. Uh, give us a feel for the size of the fixed income marketplace in comparison to the equities marketplace, will you? That's a great question, Charlie. Uh, many times people are shocked when I tell them that the bond market is actually twice as big as the, the global stock market. And numbers, when they become so big, they become you know basically inconsequential. I don't really understand them. But when I say global stocks are valued at at $54 trillion, bonds are $93 trillion. But when I think of it, you know, I, I think of, think in terms of things like Ford. Ford, there's only one stock, F. There are actually 394 different Ford bonds with different maturities, different currencies, coupons, and some being callable and some not callable. The bond market is larger than the stock market for a bunch of reasons, whereas only corporation issue stocks, governments, towns, hospitals, corporations, all issue fixed income securities. The U.S. Treasury is the, actually the largest issuer of bonds worldwide. 
for a point of reference, in the 2000s, the U.S. bond market doubled in size. Most of that growth was, was due to financial innovation, which in 2008 actually got us in trouble. But for example, you know, the investing community saw the introduction of asset backs, which repackaged mortgages, which repackaged student loans, credit card loans, automobile loans, medical receivables. You know, we experienced and, you know, I was in charge of, of risk on, on pretty much all of that stuff. You know, basically the globalization of the capital markets has also resulted in lower trade barriers and new technologies that have uh, sped across border capital flows. Mark, that's a story that needs to be told. You know, the Wall Street Journal is not telling that story. Barron's is not telling that story. Uh, For sure, for sure, um, investment advisors don't really know that story (laughs) because I talk to them all the time. And so... uh, it's a story that's just not being told. I mean, you walk up to somebody on a Saturday night in a neighborhood gathering, and I don't need to tell you, they want to talk about equities and, and to say, well, yeah, here's what's happening in the bar market. Well, who cares, pal? I mean, <laughs> so uh, that's a story that needs to be told. You're an articulate guy. That's an opportunity for you to write a book here, uh, uh, Mark. So you, you ought to consider that. Okay. I'll do that with you, Charlie. Okay. So give us a brief history of Wavelink. Tell us uh, who you guys are, how you started, why you started, and what you do. The origin of the firm is really pretty personal. This really is, at the end of it, the way I wanted to to run my family's money, um, and as important, the way I wanted to be treated as a person, as an investor, and so forth. I guess going back you know, 15, 20 years, you know, I really started to see, I I was a technician as far as understanding the edge of all the great investors. I was lucky enough, you know, in my positions that I actually met these people multiple times. Um, I'm not going to say I know them. (laughs) Uh, I will say that I've met them multiple times and and involved with with many aspects of the things, but really saw as a result of technology, regulation change, cultural, political changes, a really a new world of shifting velocity and magnitude that was treating and creating, you know, old ways of investing were, were no longer working. The edge of these specific people were no longer there. Information became commoditized at the end of the day. You know, um, global central banks, you know, were, have and are much more coordinated, much more in sync with each other. You know, heck, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there was, you know, Europe was, was each individual separate country, and you now have one central bank. You know, I was looking um, for an innovative solution, and I think we have an innovative solution for, for my friends, for my family's nest eggs that was liquid, transparent, cost-effective, and really protected the downside. So we started, as I said before, at the urging of our, fund, uh, of our friends, uh, a mutual fund in 2013, really to give anyone, whether they had $1,000 or $100 million, the ability to access a highly diversified, uncorrelated, smart way to invest. So uh, tell us, what's the investment strategy of Wavelength? And you've talked about you were trying to create something unique. How is it unique as you see it? Strategy is one way of looking at it. I sort of look at it as a focus, uh, as a a process and focus. Um, Strategy entails actually knowing knowing what all the results and everything about something i would say i will never know i'm not the smartest guy 
man in the room. But at the end of the day, um, we focus exclusively on fixed income. Everything that we do has an economic rationale, and that goes to you know the basis of, of, of all that we do. We've created a low-volatility fixed income portfolio that is immune to rising and falling interest rates. So, and, and basically, there are two phases to it, Charlie. When I was running um, research at Credit Suisse, um, we used to keep statistics of, of our different research people. So we had a thousand different research people. You know, we had economists, we had credit, we had mortgage, we had, we had all those, those different people. And we used to keep score. Who's right? Who's wrong? What percentage of them right or wrong? Our great economists, and I will put them up against anyone, were right 40% of the time. So the best, the best of the best were right 40% of the time. So at the end of the day, you sit around and you, you, you listen to prognosticators talk about the markets, you know, that the 10 years is going to be at 10, at 10% or the 10 years is going to be at 1% or the 10 years is going to be 3%. At the end of the day, I'd rather not bet on that because I think if the best of the best are right 40% of the time, that means 60% of the time they're not right. So, so we basically have two phases to what we do. So in phase one, what we do is that we create four equally weighted portfolios that are designed to perform in each potential economic environment. So when I go back to, to economics 101, you were taught, I was taught, that there are two things that sort of every Federal Reserve is trying to, to move. There are two things that, that set asset prices, which set market prices, and that's growth and inflation. So what we try to do is we set up and invest in four different different portfolios in markets, not, not individual securities, in markets that should do well during a rising growth environment. So corporate credit, that, those, those sort of, of things. We then put 25% of, of our portfolio in things that should do well in a low growth environment, government bonds, et cetera. We put 25% of our portfolio in things that should do well in a rising inflationary environment, which you know, tips and, and, and so forth, and then things that should do well in a deflationary environment. Because at the end of the day, I, we, we've been looking for rates to rise now for you know, seven, eight years. I don't know when that's going to happen. So I would rather hedge out that unpredictable aspect of what the things. And most other fixed income funds that are out there are making a bet on duration, you know, where are rates going because they think they know where rates are going, or credit, you know, that, that X company is better than Y company um, during, and within, you know, the capital structure that they actually play. So that sets up my, 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 my overall portfolio. So it's basically taken up four different portfolios that are hedged to anything that can affect rates at the end of the day. That then leads into sort of phase two. And phase two is where we employ uh, market-neutral long-short strategies across, you know, different, I guess, factor types. So the model that we in, in, in employ, again, is everything that we do is systematic. We look at up to 100 years' worth of data across 84 different markets as far as that goes. Uh, we look at the economies. We look at, at economic numbers. We look at how markets have reacted, how specific securities have reacted. 
You know, uh, Mark, um, you, you make a good point here that uh, factor investing is uh, decades old in the equity world. And yet in the credit world, it's it's fairly new. And in fact, I would call your strategy tactical credit. Is that fair? Yes, when I think of tactical credit, um, I being a fixed income guy, think of someone making a bet on a particular sector or bond. You know, I guess by definition, the part of this investing style that makes it tactical is the allocation, which will depend upon expected market or economic conditions. You know, as, as, as you said, or as I said, we are completely neutral to whatever the prevailing expected environment is. We then use these, these factors uh, to derive the returns within uh, each of the different portfolios, within gotcha. each of the different four. Okay, so I recognize the, the difference there. Mark, uh, we need to take a short break. This is very interesting. Uh, I don't need to tell you, uh, very few really credit companies uh, their fixed income focused investment managers are doing the kind of things uh, that you're doing. And this is very interesting. When we come back, let's talk about who your clients are, who invests with you and what are they looking for and what are the common objections that you hear from investors, advisors, etc. Again, we're talking with Mark Landis, founder and chief investment officer of Wavelength Capital Management out of New York City. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio. I'm Charlie Wright. We'll be right back. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guests. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Mark Landis, founder and chief investment officer of Wavelength Capital Management. They focus on fixed income. Uh, so, Mark, uh, before we get back to our conversation here, I've got an offer for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, 2008 credit crisis continues to be an enigma to me and to everybody I know. And you were in the belly of the beast at the time. You were in fixed income. Uh, you understand all of these acronyms of uh, CMOs and CDOs and other investment products that uh, the rest of us have very little understanding of. We'd love to have you back on the show sometime, Mark. 
and just get your input on what you saw, how you see it. And today, are, are we more protected? Are we okay, etc.? You don't need to say anything that would put anyone in jail here. But uh, we'd love to have you back and just get your opinions uh, on that. Would you be open to that? Oh, I'd be happy to do that, Charlie. Okay. Unfortunately, there are analogies to equities on on all of these sort of things. So it's not as, it may be an enigma, but it really is not, it's pretty simple at the end of the day. What, what, what happened, how it happened, and what, what was going on. Okay, well, uh, well, we'd love to hear it because I've read a couple of books on it, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if the authors understood what it was all about. <laughs> so back to Wavelength here. So sure. first of all, who invests with you, and what are they looking for? Why are they investing with you? Yeah, everything, for, honestly, from my mother to a sovereign wealth, <laughs> to be, be perfectly honest with you. Um, I guess at the end of the day, People are looking, what, and what we're trying to do is is make money in, in good markets, bad markets, and, and sideways markets. We're hedged and to the downside, so, you know, that's limited. It's based 100% on economics. It's not based on being the fastest guy or the, the smartest guy in the room when it, when it comes to that sort of thing. So I think the people that have started to invest in us are looking at the fact that we're uncorrelated. We're making money during times when rates are rising. In fact, you know, I guess since they started to raise rates, we're up like we're up a decent amount. We're up fourteen percent as, as far as, as as that goes. So I think people understand the risks, and there are significant risks within the fixed income market that people are uh, should be should be wary of, especially since we've now had a, a thirty-year bull run in that, and there are not only advisors but traders, but everyone else who's never seen. A rising rate environment and what to do. And yes, we've been talking about it for for seven, eight years at this particular time. But I think we're here now. Yeah. The the next question, the market has been a real mystery to me. Uh, Barron's Magazine, uh, for anyone who reads that, knows that uh, some time ago they started a particular feature where they interview a, a high level investment advisor. Uh, and people usually in urban areas, urbane kinds of sophisticated, intelligent, very successful investment advisors. And they ask them how they invest their clients' money and how much you know, clients have, etc. And when I look at their investments, which are, you know, when they describe the investments, they're generic, but they tell us enough. Uh, in fixed income, usually, you know, they're 25, 30% kind of thing invested in, in fixed income, but they are invested in very traditional government bonds, corporate bonds, municipal bonds. Holy cow. And, and today with rising interest rates, what, what objections? Obviously, the word hasn't gotten out, okay, <laughs> that uh, fixed income needs a new look. So what objections do you hear about why people are not willing to get into your kind of strategy? I think it's it, it's what you said, Charlie. You know, as as my uh, my colleague Janelle keeps keeps pounding into my head. You know, people are used to the sixty forty rule. They're used to the the forty percent in bonds being the safe investment, and it's been ingrained since childhood. So general fear of the unknown is present when they come upon a new and different fixed income strategy. 
among the first to bring factor-based approach to fixed income. We've been doing this now almost, you know, the, the fund has been there since 2013, but we've been analyzing this now, you know, almost 13 years at this point uh, across the thing. And the irony is that in general, human beings that learn to adapt faster are the ones that survive. This may take place among the advisor landscape as advisors that do not adapt to this new environment will be the ones that, that end up closing shop. You've had a 30-year bull market in bonds. You know, they haven't had to think about, about the fear of what, what goes on and what could happen to your portfolio. You know, 40% of your portfolio currently being in bonds that go up. God forbid, and we can talk about that you have to get out of these things. You get at getting out. The, the the fixed income markets are not exchange markets. They're over-the-counter markets still. And you've seen the, you know, the diaspora of capital out of the dealer community where they're not willing to take take on inventories if people want to get out of this sort of thing. They, they, they don't have the capital to do this. So if you, God forbid, someone wants to get out of their Missouri-based hospital bond, you know, not only are they going to lose money on that, but they're going to lose significant money on that because it's not, you know, what it's worth is X, but where someone actually wants to buy it is X minus, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I mentioned, I don't know how many times, that in, uh, I think it was 2011, the long-term uh, U.S. government bond uh, increased 29%. And so then I say, it's because interest rates fell, right? Right. And I say, look, if it can gain 29% because interest rates fell, <laughs> obviously it can do the exact opposite when interest rates rise. And they just look at me and well, these are safe investors. You know, they're not as safe as you as you think here. So you guys have a great story to tell here. So a question we like to ask all of our guests here, Mark, what keeps you awake at night? Evidently, it's not rising interest rates. <laughs> um, what keeps me awake at night? Good question. What keeps me awake at night is the same things that probably keep most people. Are my employees, my family, my friends healthy, happy, and safe? And are there any risks to this? You know, how can I be proactive? How can we be, as a firm, be proactive to support that? People are trusting us for their future. You know, are we stewards of this to the fullest that we can be? So, you know, again, being exposed to some of these crises in, in over-the-counter type markets has my my mentor in the business said to me, the most important thing you have to think about is what's your weakest link? Well, what my weakest link is, is exactly what keeps me up at night. You know, those are great points. I love that, uh, that quote. What you have to worry about is what's your weakest link here. So uh, right now, my wife's uh, weakest link is me. So uh, <laughs> I'm grateful that uh, she, she allows me to be around. So second question we'd like to ask all of our guests, what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? guess I can't just recommend one book. That's okay. First book, the first book I ever got uh, was The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, sure. which is obviously a classic. Right. Um, was given to me by uh, by my high school lacrosse coach. Surprise, surprise. Really? Um, yes, there were, was lacrosse back then, too. Charlie, <laughs> please. Um, secondly, uh, Against the Gods, The Remarkable Story of Risk by Peter Bernstein has been my Bible. Bernstein 
Green explores the role of risk in our society and the liberation of humanity. You know, that is a Bible. Third, I guess, would be Fabozzi's Handbook of Fixed Income Securities, because before there was the Internet, we had uh, encyclopedias, and this was my encyclopedia of, of, of the fixed income market. Can we read and then, that and stay awake? Yeah, um, it, it depended on the night. It depended on what I had inside of me at that point. Barbarian to the Gate, obviously, by uh-huh. Burroughs and, and John Haler, is, is the invaluable cautionary tale of what really not to do. Uh-huh. And again, as a fixed income guy, you know, people say, you know, glass is half full versus glass is half empty. We're, we're, we're always, no one's talking about, you know, how's the bond market doing today? Right. So we're always the glass is half, half empty guy because... <laughs> Yeah. So, Mark, uh, for those who would like to know more, uh, your website and contact information. Website is wavelengthcapital.com. Um, phone number 212-951-1178. Or you can email me at mark, M-A-R-K, dot Landis at wavelengthcapital.com. Or if you want to call me at weird hours, uh, I'm always awake, unfortunately, at 917 917- Six seven eight 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 four zero. That's my my mobile. Okay, Mark. Thank you very much. I've always heard that people in New York uh, do stay up uh, twenty four hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoy it here. So, how about final words for our listeners? Final words again. You know, keep your eye on your bond, the bond side, on quote unquote the safe side. Um, it's not as safe as you think. You know, recently we've seen the ten years now approaching. We're witnessing rising rates for the first time in 30 years. As I said, there are many people out there who have not experienced this. Traders, advisors, and so forth. Um, There are ways not just to lose money in a rising rate environment. You can actually make money in a rising rate environment. And you just have to be highly diversified. You have have to understand where the nuances are. And with the aid of a computer, I'm able to do that because I can look at a lot of different things for a lot of different things at one particular time that a human being can't. Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Mark. We really appreciate it. And thanks for spending some time with us today. And we'll look forward to having you back and talking about the credit crisis of 2008. In the meantime, our best wishes for you and Wavelength Capital Management to protect those assets those fixed income assets, especially that uh, uh, in that rising rate environment and to continue to uh, grow your mutual fund. Thank you for being with us today. So we've been talking with Mark Landis, founder and chief investment officer of Wavelength Capital Management, fixed income focused, absolute return investment manager in New York City. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. And uh, we'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you all an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. 
content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 